You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning, church. It is such an honor to stand before you and tell you about the journey that God has brought me on this last year specifically, but a little more than that. Um, Thank you, Rick, for the opportunity. I also want to thank the worship team, those who sit in the back and on the platform. Uh, You really set the stage today wonderfully. And I also want to thank Susie and Ken because they did a lot this morning for me. Ken did masterful, wonderful things. All right, so today I'm going to talk about setting your standard. As most of you know, for the last year, I've been on a journey with food and weight loss. Um, So my highest weight at this point that I know of was 237. Yeah, so a friend challenged me to buy this dress, and that was January of 2018. At the time, I do not know what my weight was, but I think I actually increased in weight. So food was definitely a big thing for me. In August of 2017, a group of friends and I started studying um, about food and about learning to crave God more than food. I was making some strides with that, but I I hadn't hit a really good pace. Sometimes I would do really well, and then I would just fall right back to old habits. In February of 2018, so about six months later, I went to More Love, More Power, the conference in Urbana, Illinois. There, Leif Hetland spoke, and um, God released me from shame through him. And I didn't know what that shame felt like. Shame felt overbearing, and it made me feel small and tiny, and that I didn't have an impact, and that I couldn't speak into people. So when that was released from me, I found freedom. It lifted a weight off of me. I no longer felt worthless. It lifted a lot of my embarrassment. I still find times where I'm a little embarrassed. I no longer felt little. I came back knowing that I could change the world and that I was a powerful lion and not the mouse hiding in the corner. So about this time, I was uh, at work listening to a sermon series by Michael Todd. And he talked about 1 Corinthians 6. So that passage is set up about um, Christians pursuing lawsuits against each other, and then it sets up into sexual immorality. But he talked about um, 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 15a and 19 through 20. We're going to read the NIV translation. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies." So this is the traditional, I've I've heard this a thousand times, but it didn't quite click for me. The version that Michael Todd was reading from was the Good News Bible, and verse 12 hit me like a rock. And it says, someone will say, I am allowed to do anything. Yes, but not everything is good for you. I could say that I'm allowed to do anything, but I'm not going to let anything make me its slave. Let me repeat that. I am not going to let anything make me its slave. As I was sitting there at work, I realized I was a slave to food. But what does that mean, what is a slave? 
A slave is to be totally in someone or something else's power. It is to be utterly and completely unable to say no. It is to obey the unalterable commands of another. It's not a choice, it's a command. This is a must-do, there are no other options. As Vin Diesel says in The Pacifier, my way, no highway option. You want a real example of Gollum? If you've seen Lord of, uh, sorry, of a slave, if you've seen Lord of the Rings, Gollum is a true slave. He is a slave to the power of the ring. So, I was sitting at work, I realized I was a slave to food. I knew that I had to eat. It was not a choice. It was I had to eat. I believed I had to eat several times a day within a couple of hours of each other. I would probably eat three big meals and several snacks. I did not believe I could fast from sunrise to sunset. That seemed utterly impossible. I love um, my coworkers. They have this awesome tradition of bringing in food to celebrate anything. But we tend to bring in a lot of cookies and cakes and sweet treats, which I adore. So I, of course, had to go get some of those, but I couldn't just stop at one. I would go back again and again. So when I realized that I was a slave, I had such a feeling of repulsion and disgust. I mean, to think about that, I'm a slave to food. Food goes in my body. My body is to consume food. It's not supposed to be that food controls who I am. Um, let's see. So I took in that moment a marker or a standard was set in my heart. I would not be a slave to food. And what that meant for me was literal action immediately. I cleared out my cabinets of food. I had snacks. I had love those gummy bears. I had um, Swiss Miss chocolate hanging around. All of that went away. I gave it away, threw it away. Um, super quick side note about food and food addiction. Food addiction highlights the same areas of the brain as a drug addiction like heroin is the specific study that I've seen. Uh, so it's, it's a legitimate, it triggers the pleasure centers, it triggers that dopamine. It's a big deal. Um, there we go. So I was a slave to food, but what are the kinds of things you can be a slave to? I'm gonna ask you guys for feedback. What can you be a slave to? Work, it's a good one, it's true. Love, yep. Technology, yes. Marijuana, drugs, yep. Identity, false identity, typically. Right, so there's the obvious, right? The drugs and the alcohol. There's food that I was addicted to. Soda's highly addictive. Then there's stuff, paperwork, video games, spending money to fill an emotional void, TV or escapism, misplaced sexuality, Attention, hiding, fear, hate, anger, greed, codependency, other people's opinions of me, or more accurately stated, what I thought other people's opinions of me were. You can be a slave to the past. You can be a slave to ideas. In my particular case for ideas, I had this grand idea that I only wanted to date one man, and that would be the man that I married. A lot of pressure, right? But because I had this idea, when I was in a bad relationship, it took me a very, very, very long time to say no and let go. So it was only in battling my food addiction that God gave me the words for things he'd been teaching me a long time. I learned through food that I will not let anything make me its slave. But that had other iterations before. I was a slave to stuff. Go ahead, Miss Susie. 
So this is a picture of my room uh, several years ago. This is only one, maybe a fourth. I have piles of books, piles of CDs, um, piles of paperwork. You can't see the paperwork because most of it is buried in bags, and I would have things like receipts from 2006 and 2010 and 2013 all in the same bag. And I thought I had to keep all of that. Um, so I was also addicted to paperwork. Uh, Miss Susie, if you'll flip to the next one, please. This is another portion of that same room at the same time. This makes me so sad. There was so much hurt hiding in this that I believed I needed all of this stuff, and I believed that I needed to hide here. So definitely a slave to stuff in all varieties. Um, quick, quick rundown. Oh, it actually goes hand in hand with spending money to fill an emotional void with stuff. So things like socks, jewelry, books, music, a lot of that. I also battled codependency, misplaced sexuality, fear, escapism into TV and books, and what other people thought of me. I had to set a marker in each of these places and define what was okay and what was not okay. Some of these I'm still struggling with. Like many other people who've spoken, this is a journey for me. I'm not completed. I will not be completed because it is God's work. I do not tell you these things. I do not show you these things for my glory. This is God. I cannot do this on my own. As Dave was talking about a couple weeks ago, in 2 Chronicles 20, 14 through 17, uh, oh, I forget the name of it, King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat was beset with three armies around him that were coming after him. And he prayed and he fasted and he was kind of like, Lord, what do we do? So here's 2 Chronicles. The spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. And he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Drool. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. So as Dave reminded us, our job is to stand where God is. His heart is already to have that marker for us, and we just need to stand with him and let him have the battle, because the victory is his. So what does that marker look like? What is making that stand look like? We're gonna watch a video clip to see. All right, so there's a lot there we can take, right? You see the enemy coming, and what's the first thing you do? You run. <laughs> so there's a lot of other pieces here. The white light, what is it? It's the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit doesn't disappear from you, but he's present. But really, what really struck me about this section is that first Gandalf says to him, you cannot pass. But that wasn't enough. That wasn't set in stone. He had to say, you shall not pass. There's conviction. There's a place to stand there. And until you have that, you shall not pass. It is not enough. But only God can do that. So placing your marker, 
There are several places you can place your marker. One, obviously, is in the battle. I said it with food. For me, what that looked like is getting rid of my sweet treats. Um, I did research and decided that a keto diet would be best for me. It gave me very strict parameters of what I could consume. Like I said, I don't set these markers alone. I set it with God. God gave me that fortitude that you shall not pass. Not all markers are forged in battle. Sometimes they're set in the peace and the quiet and the stillness before the battle. For me, the clearest example I can give you is that as a teenager, I decided that I would not have sex before marriage. When temptation came, that was set. There was Gandalf, you shall not pass. I already had that one in place. But sometimes markers need to move. As you get closer to God and you get healthier, that marker moves. For me, I realized that sex before marriage wasn't close enough to holiness, and I had to move, move it farther towards God, farther, farther towards purity and safety. That marker is our standard. So in the medieval times, what was a standard? I'll take feedback. So banner was a flag, thank you. What did the standard mark? Sorry, say that again. There's a part of whose territory. Good point, what did it mark in battle? It's a rallying point. Who's at that rallying point? It's the leader, it's the king. So the standard goes next to the king. The king does not carry the standard. You are there and you announce where he is. And that's where when you set your standard, you go where God is and you make that announcement. Chuck brought this up when he was talking about Hebrews 12, one through three. I'm gonna use the NASB translation. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So we keep our eyes on Jesus. Jesus does not dictate slaves. Jesus commands willing servants. He is the only one who will command willing servants. If you give anything else power over you, it makes you its slave. Remember, we are not defined by sin. We are defined by our relationship with the Lord. We are children of the King. We are sons and daughters of the God Most High. And we are adopted with the full rights of inheritance and identity. All right, some practical suggestions. Find your touchstone. So for me, um, this was the verse, I will not let anything make me its slave but find whatever you can cling to and stand in that spot. Could be an image, it could be a passage from God, a word that God has given you, but find something that you can cling to when you're really struggling and stand there. So build your support system. We, don't, we are not meant to walk this journey alone, right? God is a trinity, he's three people. And so we need our support system. We need someone to help carry us when we are struggling. 
do some research, figure out what are the best paths that you can take to get yourself out of where you are, to move closer to holiness and where God wants you to be. Know that this process takes time. God can do the miraculous and this change can be instantaneous. But for a lot of us, he's, he's growing us through the journey. And so know that it's gonna take some time. And do not tackle everything at once. I looked at myself several years ago and I was like, all right, I've got an issue with stuff, I've got an issue with money, I've got an issue with um, codependency, and I was like, I gotta tackle it all right now. Well, it doesn't work that way. You have to do one thing at a time. And as you pursue one thing, God raises everything else with it. It's really interesting. Um, so know that your time is not wasted when you're focusing on one thing. You are pursuing what he's calling you to at the moment. Well, this went a whole lot faster than I anticipated. I'm sorry, Rick. <laughs> so what can I leave you with? Here we are. Do not let anything make you its slave. Set your standard. Keep your eyes on the king and go where he goes. This one's not in my PowerPoint, but remember who you are. Remember that you are a child of the king. Build and use your support system. Know that this is doable and it's possible and it brings such freedom and release and glory and strength because it's not us, right? It's God. It's walking into who he meant us to be. So don't look at your, your battle, your, I forget what he's called, the big flaming beast in the Lord of the Rings. Don't look at that, that battle and say, this is impossible, I can't do this, because you do it with God. God fights the battle for you. Well, there we are. Thank you so much. <laughs>